Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, December 4, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And if you listen to Sunday Night's podcast, you know I was very right about something and very wrong about something else. Like, really wrong about something else so in the spirit of humility let's start with the wrong on Sunday night's podcast I said Michigan State would be up 15 points on Duke Tuesday night and win by double digits turns out the exact opposite happened in reality Duke was up 15 points on Michigan State led by as many as 22 won the game by double digits 87 75 inside the Breslin Center so I was way wrong about that but what I got right is when I said if Michigan State loses, folks would start asking big questions about the Spartans. And now here we are with folks totally reasonably asking big questions about Michigan State. Why? It's because Michigan State is now 5-3 and three with a 69-62 neutral court loss to a Kentucky team that subsequently lost at home to an Evansville team that's ranked 176 at Ken Pop. The Spartans also have a 71-66 neutral court loss to the Virginia Tech team, picked 14th in the preseason ACC poll. And they also have Tuesday's 87-75 loss at home to a Duke team that was missing its third leading score and just a week removed from losing at home to a Stephen F. Austin team that's ranked 201st at Ken Palm. Combine all that with the fact that Michigan State's best win is a win over a two-loss Seton Hall team that it actually trailed by five with a minute 50 remaining. And it's clear at least in my mind, it's time to stop pretending Michigan State is anything close to what it was supposed to be. For what it's worth, I now have the Spartans completely out of the top 25 and one. So, Norlander, let me ask you this. On a scale of one to, this is effing bananas, how surprised were you that Michigan State got whipped at home on Tuesday night? I won't go to the effing bananas level there, but I was plenty surprised. Um, I didn't think that Duke had that kind of game in them at all. I... I thought Duke had a chance to win. I mean, we, we addressed this on the previous podcast, obviously, but I didn't. If you watch that game start to finish, as I did, the style in which Duke was able to win the game and dominate Michigan State, and there were, I understand that there were some issues with Xavier Tillman running into foul trouble, but like even even small stuff like Duke occasionally, because of its athleticism and its length, like uh, making Cassius Winston's lack of athleticism and his ability, that, that one area of his game kind of, you know, obviously being uh, something that could become an issue for Michigan State later in the season when it runs up against big teams in the tournament, um, I thought was eye-opening. Uh, I was a little confused with how Michigan State opted to try and defend Vernon Carey Jr. for some of the game. And I, and I, I no way thought that Tom Izzo and his coaching staff thought, yeah, we've got the bodies, we're just going to handle Carey one-on-one no matter what. But... Uh, be it because of missed assignments or um, a clever scheming on behalf of Krzyzewski and his staff, Vernon Carey Jr. just found himself available to do damage on the block. He even stepped out and hit a three, uh, which is just like a little spice he's got to his game. He's been terrific, and we get to more, him, more of him in a second. But my, my main takeaway on Michigan State is I understand that it was picked number one with the understanding that Josh Lankford would be available to this team, and that was a, that's a lot of what, what went into it. But this is the last time I'm, I, I swear to myself that I'm going to fall for the preseason groupthink because we have had example after example, time after time in the past 10 to 12 years in most seasons where there has been a favorite in the preseason. To me, Michigan State was as heavy a favorite as we've had in a long time. But uh, we need to caution ourselves when we get to the end of October and we're dying for the season to get here, convincing ourselves that there's ever going to be one team that is so clearly ahead of the pack of the others. It doesn't mean we can't get there, but 
presuming that in the preseason to me is, is is a bit of a folly here. Michigan State can and will get back into the rankings. I get that. I agree with your decision to do that, by the way. Take them out of the rankings. I, I agree with that. They had trouble with the Georgia team that almost lost to Chaminade. Like, I don't have a, a problem with that whatsoever. But Michigan State just, I'm a little stunned it has as many issues as it does right now. That was on its home floor. You retired Draymond Green's number. It's weird how in sports when you have those kind of ceremonies, be it a banner-raising ceremony, get your ring, retire a number, they don't, they don't always end up in losses, but there's some weird funk. If you've ever noticed that, like, when you have these big things around it the home team usually underperforms you saw that there you had people on Draymond Green's night you know Bill has said it on the podcast hundreds of people leaving Breslin with five and a half six minutes to go because it was done credit to Duke got a great win if I if you were a Duke fan and I could told you you could beat Stephen F. Austin but lose by 15 at Michigan State or you could take a loss against Stephen S. Austin or win the way you did at Michigan State I kind of think they would take what we have here the latter of that um, so credit to them but Michigan State uh, you're a weird one right now and, and definitely not one of the top 10 teams in the, in the sport and we'll see what Ohio State does on Wednesday night but you're, you don't look like a top three team in the Big Ten right now I, I was in studio last night on CBS Sports Network and I was talking with John Rothstein and he said listen the, the 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 Michigan State team that everybody ranked number one included Josh Lankford who was going to be a double digit score and their best two-way player and so on and so forth and so like we shouldn't be surprised that Michigan State doesn't look like the number one team they don't have a very important player that they were relying on to be that and I concede the point like sure but that doesn't explain why Michigan State's not a top 20 team it doesn't explain why Michigan State stinks relatively speaking right I mean they don't stink like uh you know other schools stink but like relative to preseason expectations they don't look anything like what they were supposed to look like. And it is interesting, you know, hindsight's an amazing gift. You, you look back on it and you go, okay, why, why was I so convinced that a team with probably no first-round draft picks was going to be the best team in the country, given that hmm. that never happens? I mean, they, the, the best team in the country is never a team that doesn't have first a first-round pick. And yet we all, and I, like I include me in this, we all, like just to – well, Michigan State must be number one. I, I'm sort of with you. Like, I think next season going into it, rather than look back at the 2019-20 season and try to see who's bringing back what and who's enrolling what and come up with my own idea about what I think uh, should be the number one team, I'm going to look at what is usually the number one team. And if it's never a team that doesn't have first-round draft picks, every team that doesn't have a first-round draft pick is just going to get a line marked through them. They cannot be under consideration. I like that. I, I, I do genuinely like that approach because I remember thinking about uh, in a week or so before, because I thought this about, uh, was it Duke the last season or some maybe this team the season before, uh, about just like, you know, the, again, just this is going to be the number one team. You spend an off season doing it. You, you know, we've now got to the point where there are five or six outlets online that are going to do the occasional update to their top 25 rankings in the off season. And so then when we finally land in, in November, we have just done the slowest of slow boils on this and and you know you can kind of get yourself in a little bit of trouble there now having said all that by the way Michigan State still top eight in Torvik. They're third in Ken Palm. Credit to Sager, and I check. Michigan State's down to 14 in Sager, which is also another predictive metric. So credit uh, there because the predictive metrics are still buying in. Right now at Ken Palm, it's Louisville at one, 
Duke at two, Michigan State three. Uh, you got to believe if Ohio State wins on the road against UNC on Wednesday night, you, Ohio State will leap over Michigan State in that regard. But it's four, and then Virginia, which has a road game against Purdue, and that's oddly a fascinating one in which Virginia is an underdog. They're currently fifth at, at Ken Palm right now. Um, I think that they will get it fixed here. Um, Man, Tillman's got to avoid foul trouble, and Aaron Henry's got to be better. He is a really, really fun, solid player. He's just not as consistent as I think he should be overall. I have the, I have, the, I have the confidence Izzo's going to get it right. But listen, like that single game is not a seat bump situation, Paris. But I, honestly, honestly, at this point, Michigan State five and three. It is way behind the eight ball for a one seed. It can get back there. Of course it can with all the opportunities it has. But you lose against Kentucky, and you lose against Duke, and then you lose on a neutral to a Virginia Tech team that's not going to sniff the NCAA tournament. When we get to the end of February and bracketology stuff is out there, Michigan State, barring a, a dominant run in the Big Ten, which I don't think is going to happen, it's 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 going to find itself getting to a one seed to be a, a pretty tough road. Not an impossible one, just a tough one. I agree with you. I, I still trust Tom Izzo this figured out. He's, he's Tom Izzo. When has he ever not gotten things figured out? But it was, and perhaps this is me, and I, I think lots of us make the mistake of doing this sometimes. We take um, one outlandish opinion and then, like, uh, you know, focus on it for more seconds than we should, yeah. which is often just one second. But I saw someone on Twitter like, well, I'm not sure Izzo's approach is adapting to the new way basketball is played. Like, the guy was in the Final Four last April, all right? Like, he won 30 games and was in the Final Four last April. So I I, I don't subscribe to that. But I, I will say, again, benefit of hindsight, no obvious first-round picks and can't shoot. Like, that's not a great combination for being great in college basketball. If you don't have pros and you can't shoot, good luck. Well, I will say this. So that criticism of, of Izzo is not accurate because I did a story last season on Izzo specifically going to Steve Kerr, who was on hand last night, obviously, for, for Draymond's ceremony, and saying, I know we can't duplicate what you guys do at Golden State, but can I get some tips on how we can get there? And to Izzo's credit, Michigan State's offensive identity has drastically evolved over the past decade here, okay? Um, they're still, to my shock, the most effective and efficient offense right now in the sport, adjusted offensive efficiency, but particularly with three-point shooting. Now, it's not there this season. I get that. But last season, top 40 in three-point shooting. They made big progressions, and Cassius Winston, for his career, has been a good one. Now, he has taken a, a step back there, and I think it, him in the micro is, is Michigan State in the macro, but you're right. The, the shooting issues... Uh, have really presented themselves. I don't know when Langford's going to get back. I hope it's January. There's not even a promise of that, but if he is able to, not just for defense, but they need another shooter there, um, and we'll see. I mean, we're leading the podcast with Michigan State now. Uh, if all goes well, we're not going to be talking about them until we flip the calendar and we celebrate New Year's Eve and go into 2020 because it's Rutgers, Oakland, Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, then home against Illinois on January 2nd. Michigan State should be 10-3 and the next time we're talking about them because if it's not that and we're talking about them, it's because they took another bad loss. And if that's really the case, then we're going to have some serious stuff to analyze. On the shooting woes, last night they were 4 of 16. My calculator says that's 25% from three. On the season, they're now 32.9% from three, which ranks 160th at Ken Palm. So the point I keep hammering home, no obvious first-round picks and can't shoot from the perimeter. Now just contrast that with our last two national champions. Virginia last season, pros on the court, shot 39.5% from three-point range. 
that was eighth in the country. Villanova two seasons ago, pros all over the court, shot 40.1% from three-point range. That was 11th in the country. Our past two national champions, and I don't think this is a coincidence, mm-hmm. the, two, the two things they have most in common, um, besides having future Hall of Fame coaches, is that they had pros on the court and they could really shoot it. This Michigan State team, I don't know how many pros they got on the court, and the numbers suggest they can't shoot. Uh, a note on Vernon Carey Jr. Um, I put him. Uh, our frost watch went up Tuesday. He was top four in light of what he did against Michigan State. I would put him narrowly behind Cole Anthony, and let's see what Cole Anthony does against uh, an elite Ohio State defense through the first month of the season. This is going to be Ohio State's first road game, but if uh, but Carey is a close second right now. He has been awesome, shooting 59% from two point range. He's four or five from three. I actually love this element about his game. They don't ask him to shoot from three often, less than one time per game. But when, when he's done it, I mean, he's. He, He's 80% so far. That's that's going to be tough to keep up. Obviously, no one shoots 80%. If you have anything of a of a, a regularity in how often you shoot threes, but um, but he's got a great feel and already just in terms of his double doubles, um, he is looking to be as impactful and valuable as Marvin Bagley uh, the third was, as Jaleel Okafor was. Just to pick a couple of recent big men who are similar. Zion was also a big, but he wasn't a big in the way that that the carry is obviously. So uh, that's been great. And Trey Jones has. He had 12 assists, I think, last night, which was either a career high or tied a career high. Um, Trey Jones still doesn't have the jump shot there, but everything else that he's doing has been great. So I wrote a quick piece for .com, and I just said, I said simply, like, if you're going to tell me that Kerry and Jones are going to combine uh, for you know north of 45 points, you know, uh, you know, around 15 total rebounds and, and double digit assists, and they're not going to get in foul trouble, then I'm going to tell you Duke is yes going to be one seed caliber. Um, I believe in both of those players; they can be that uh, consistent. And yes, if that's going to be the case that's going to be a, a top three inside out or outside in duo in the sport so if you're a Duke fan obviously you love to wash away some of the some of the the pain and stain of the Stephen F. Austin loss and that and this does that to a certain extent but I just I would be more optimistic about okay we don't have Jones on offense the way, where we want him to be but he is certainly good enough to facilitate everyone else around him and Carey is is so so very much the goods uh find myself loving him more by the game Vernon Carey, 26 and 11 last night. Trey Jones, 20 and 12, 20 points, 12 assists. Carey, 26 points, 11 rebounds. Vernon Carey is now averaging 19.2 points, 9.7 rebounds, shooting 60% from the field. He is either at the end of the first round in most mock drafts or in the second round based on the way the game is played at the NBA level at this point. We've touched on this before, but I tell you, he's at least making you think about it. I mean, when you're going to be this productive, and you are going to be able to knock down um, a, a jumper. He's not taking them often, but when he takes them, he makes them. Um, that's at least something that's going to have to make NBA people take a, a, a second look. So tremendous stuff from Duke last night. Not great stuff from Michigan State last night. We'll talk about both of those programs uh, throughout uh, the rest of this month, I'm uh, certain. But for now, let's move on. So uh, obviously, the preseason number one Michigan State couldn't handle things at home. But the current number one... It sure did, and we're going to get into that next. But first, I want to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is obviously a challenging deal, but there is one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and that place is ZipRecruiter, a place that helps growing businesses connect with qualified candidates. Let me tell you a story about Gretchen Hebner. She's the co-founder of Codable and someone who experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist for her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and immediately saw a difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. 
ZipRecruiter finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then she found the right one. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So let me ask this. Do you want to see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes? If so, you could try it for free right now at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ION, like the ION College Basketball Podcast. So it's E-Y-E-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So the preseason number one Michigan State Spartans couldn't handle things at home on Tuesday night, but the current number one absolutely did. Final from inside the Yum Center, number one Louisville 58, number four Michigan 43. The Wolverines entered undefeated with convincing wins over North Carolina and Gonzaga. They were shooting 42% from three-point range. They had looked great through seven games. They looked less than great in game eight. Missed 16 of the 19 three-pointers they attempted against Louisville. Shot 25.9% from the field. Only scored 18 points in the first half. 43 in the game. Lost by 15. You know, after Duke lost last week and I moved Louisville to number one in the top 25 and one, some folks were asking, what has Louisville done to earn the number one spot? And my answer was always some version of Louisville was the only preseason top five team that hadn't lost yet and the Cardinals also had strong computer numbers to match their perfect start but now I can add to that answer what has Louisville done you ask Louisville has beaten the Michigan team that beat Gonzaga in North Carolina last week and Louisville beat that Michigan team by 15 points Norlander how impressed were you with Chris Max Cardinals on Tuesday night and how cool is Denny Crum Court Denny Crumcourt is terrific. I got weird backlash on that. Let's start with the important issues there. Do you agree or disagree with my assessment? Because when I turn on that game last night, I get the kiddos down, finally able to settle in. <laughs> and full disclosure, I did not get this from the from the start. I got in like maybe 20 minutes in in real time. Um, game's not, not close. Apparently it was off to a super ugly start. But I look and I say... You know, because this is the first game that Louisville's had of any sort of relevance. We've had a road game at Miami, and then just a bunch of mid-major direct for the most part. And I go, damn, that Louisville Redbird dunking that ball with those big black shoes, the 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 typeface on the baselines, black paint, white with the red trim. And I thought, you know what? I can't think of a better looking court in college basketball right now. I love this upgrade. And then Kyle Boone, not Kyle Porter. Kyle Boone thinks it's one of the worst. So where do you land on this? I think it's I think it's terrific. Dude, I love it. I think it's I think it's awesome. It looks great. It looks great and because it looks great, like Louisville defensively was was great. Offensively, you know, uh, they weren't as strong from 3 as they've been against lesser opponents, but like I feel like look good, feel good. Like that, like you step onto it. That's your home floor. You're stepping onto that. I think it's awesome. I think that should be Louisville's court in perpetuity. The entire Chris Mack era never changed what that is. I think it's awesome. Whereas like the Kansas Jayhawk is fine. It's almost I can't. I, I, can't, like, that I like that one too. Yeah, I I like it, but I do like it, but I don't love it because the Kansas Jayhawk to me is almost. I understand this is completely contradictory. Like, there's something about the Jayhawk that might feel a little cartoonishly big. To me, the Louisville one is perfect, and I understand they're massive. We're talking about massive foul on both hardwoods there. Paris is, we're doing it. <laughs> I can see Paris's face. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway, I'm off on a tangent. Um, hey, Louisville, they're awesome. Top five in defensive and offensive efficiency right now. Um, 
this was only the second time. Don't know if you have this in your notes or not. Only the second time in the history of D1 where we had two teams ranked in the top five and one of them was held below 45 points. So a great job by Michigan. Um, really, uh, I mean, a great job by Louisville to, to keep Michigan in check there after Michigan had the most impressive three-game stretch we've seen. I mean, it, I, you know, I don't know if they left their, uh, you know, some of their, their spirit and ability down there in the Bahamas. Lord knows you and I would have done the same thing. But credit to Chris Mack and the Cardinals. I'm not even going to get into the Texas Tech game next week, which I'll be at in New York City. We'll save that for a future podcast. Live in the here, live in the now. You got the one ranking. You lived up to it. This was the first real, true, legitimate opponent. I would say Miami's a, a good opponent. That was a tough test to open the season, but Michigan, that's the real deal here, and you passed it mostly with flying colors. I don't take too much in Michigan losing. New coach, different roster, strong start. You make that huge jump. You, you take an L, you take a lump, that's fine. Let's just see how the Wolverines react to me. It was way, way more about Louisville, Jordan Nawar, and his teammates, Enoch, look good. Parrish, what were your impressions of that game in Louisville, you know, not even showing real any signs of a hiccup after getting that one ranking? Yeah, that didn't make me give up on Michigan or think that Michigan just had a great week in the Bahamas and now they're looking like a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team. That made me think Louisville is probably the best team in the country right now. Uh, they, they check every box. I was on radio in Louisville, I guess it was Tuesday afternoon, and it's just what. however it is you evaluate basketball teams, Louisville evaluates brilliantly. If you're an eyeball guy, like well, they pass the they look the part. They look like a, a legitimate national championship contender. If you're a computer numbers guy, well, they're number one at Ken Palm, number three in offensive efficiency, number four in defensive efficiency. Not only not only are they the only team that's top five in both, they're the only team that's top thirteen in both. Wow. And if you want star power, if you want star power. Well, Jordan Wara is a college basketball star right now. Got 22 and 12 last night. He's now averaging 21.9 points, 7.5 rebounds, shooting 46.7% from three, 85.7% from the free throw line. And then he's talking wild, crazy stuff after the game. Did you see his quote? I did not. What did he say? Okay, so apparently I didn't even know this. And, and maybe it didn't happen. I don't know. But as Jordan Wara tells the story, when Michigan won – uh, the battle for Atlantis last week and beat Gonzaga and beat North Carolina. According to Jordan Wara, some of the Michigan players like, you know, we want Louisville. You know, we want all that smoke. They pulling a line straight out of the Penny Hardaway. Okay. Um, <laughs> right? So Jordan Wara says, you know, we we heard them last week talking. They saying they want all that smoke. So we, we, we gave it to them. We gave them all that smoke. And they got smoked. <laughs> I was like, okay, Jordan Wara. <laughs> all right. I like it. By the way, I love it. By the way, in college ba- oh, in, uh, in college basketball, now let's just make a rule. Maybe stop saying you want all the smoke. <laughs> so far, so far, too, for, shouts to future, shouts to young thug, but maybe stop saying you want all the smoke because so far, we know of, two people have said this. One is Penny Hardaway, said he wanted all the smoke, and then the NCAA was like, all right, here's some smoke. Sit your best player down for 12 games, and now you might face a major infractions case. Here's all your smoke. And then Michigan, according to Jordan War, was talking about it wants all the smoke. And then uh, Louisville was like, okay, here's uh, here's all the smoke. Why don't you go shoot 20 
four percent from the field for the game. So like, get that. I mean, if if I was a basketball coach right now and I was even thinking or my players were thinking about begging for smoke, I'd be just like, nah, that it didn't work for Penny. It didn't work for Michigan. Let's just leave that out of it. Yeah, I want the smoke standings to become a thing. So, uh, listeners, please keep us uh, keep us informed. Even I want it even at the Sun Belt level. If there's something out there and it backfires, I want to know. By the way, uh, Wara has been. Uh, Good, and then if you watch, like he's active at both ends, uh, strong defender, able to crash the glass. I love his story right now because he could have gone, and if he had if he had left Louisville to pursue a pro career, it would have been, uh, I think, justified given where his ceiling is. Now, I'm not saying he would have been drafted necessarily, but uh, it wouldn't have been unreasonable. But he's that case. We get about five to seven of these guys a season in that you're kind of a fringe guy, but if you come back, like you're – so far and away, clearly the best guy on your team, and you can help your program uh, reach levels that it wouldn't have had otherwise without you. Like, is Louisville the number one ranked team in America if it doesn't have Jordan on the team? I don't believe that that is the case. So he comes back, and now he's a star, and now he's living out in existence. Uh, you know, if Louisville can uh, maintain this pace, and of course, Lord willing, like, let's hope Jordan War is, is here the entire season's healthy. Like, this is going to be an unforgettable season, even, even short of getting to a Final Four or anything like that. You're a Louisville fan, you never thought this was possible. You never thought when Patino left and then the program was in chaos and then they changed over the entire coaching staff and you hoped you were going to get Chris Mack, but before you knew that was a guarantee, you would have never thought in 2019-20 you would have had your team be the number one ranked team in America with one of the five best players in America. So just relish this moment now for what it is and know that there's going to take some. you're going to get some losses and if you can make a Final Four, that'd be great. And if you can get to back to a title game, that'd be great. Chris Mack's done an amazing job, um, but Right now, where you are is so far ahead of the pace, it's ridiculous. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty awesome story, and I promise you this. Mac's not the only guy who could have done this, but the list of coaches who could have inherited Louisville's situation and handled it like the way that Mac and his staff have to this level, recruiting otherwise, there just aren't a lot of guys. I don't know what the number is. I just know that there's not a lot. So credit to him for getting the cards there and looking like the only team ranked number one so far that can kind of handle the pressure and all the attention that's that's come with that. Um, I mentioned at the top how wrong I was about Michigan State handling Duke uh, on Tuesday night. Here's another one I was wrong about. I'm trying to, st- I'm trying to st- stop talking about everything I'm right about <laughs> okay. and start talking every once in a while about stuff I'm wrong about. <laughs> I-, I was somebody who, yeah, thought Chris Mack should take the Louisville job, sure, but wondered, given the situation he would be inheriting and the possible sanctions on the way, if not likely sanctions on the way, if he would be walking into a situation where, yeah, he would theoretically be able to recruit at a higher level and yet theoretically like you know he'd make more money and be in a bigger league and be at one top 10 job in america but like would he have a better chance in the short term to continue winning at xavier than to right to win at louisville and, and here he is year two he's got the number one team in the country so like you know what was i talking about like he's he's really great and i'll give chris credit too um i hope he doesn't mind me saying this but when I wondered these things out loud publicly, he wasn't mad, but he was like, come on, GP. Like he was he thought I was crazy thinking that he wouldn't kill it at Louisville immediately. I always thought he'd be great at Louisville, but immediately that was going to be hard. And yet here he is in year two with the number one team in the country in, in, in the AP poll, coaches poll at Ken Palm coming off a big big impressive win on Tuesday night against Michigan. There's one last game I want to get to from Tuesday night um, before we get to the situation at Georgetown, and that is Indiana beating Florida State 
pretty good. 80-64 inside Assembly Hall. This is a Florida State team that had just beaten Tennessee and Purdue. So that's a nice win for Archie Miller. The Hoosiers are now 8-0 for the first time since the 2012-13 season. I had them 17th in Wednesday morning's updated top 25-1. and one. You believe in Indiana yet, Norlander? I am. I'm going to have my um... – we're returning the power rankings at .com or on the CBS Sports app Thursday. Those are different from GP's rankings. How they're different, well, that's up for you to decide. But uh, for full disclosure, I'm now uh, – I love you, GP, but I, I will not be looking at your daily rankings anymore just because I don't want them to influence mine. And wh- how your ranking will be different from mine. Mine's more of a trend list, a hot list, how you've played over your past four, five, six games overall. But I promise you this, Indiana, I'll, I'll rank – You know, my power rankings go to, go to 19. Why 19? Because you want 20, and I'm not going to give it to you. I promise you Indiana will be – in that top 19, where I'm not quite sure yet, but 8-0, and, and that's a that's a statement when I, I had uh, the double TV situation going on Tuesday night. I was watching all of that Indiana-Florida State game because I was curious. Similar to uh, what we'll get with Ohio State on Wednesday night, Ohio State's first game away from home hasn't had a lot of big opponents. Uh, similar to what Louisville, Michigan, the first big boy opponent, Indiana with Florida State, that was the by far. I mean, the, the next best team aside from Florida State was a Louisiana Tech win uh, at home uh, about 10 days ago. So I... Uh, Extremely impressed. And just a note on this. We had our Frost Watch published on, on Tuesday. Trace Jackson Davis, the freshman for Indiana, is pretty clearly like a top eight freshman in, in America right now. His offensive rating is 138.4, which is crazy high. I mean, if you're at 120-plus, you're doing well. If you're at 110-plus, you're a nice player. 138 is, is rarefied air, and he's a big man. Plays down low, uh, and he's he's doing a great, great, great job right now. It's not just him. Devontae Green um, has been solid overall. He's a, he's a nice, deep threat, and I thought Justin Smith um, – has done a good job in, in, in stepping to his role. So we gave some Florida State love on the previous podcast. Indiana, here's your shine right now. You are – I don't want to say you're one of the surprises yet because you were expected to start the season 7-0 and and then you get the home game against Florida State. Indiana has not yet played away from home. That will come on Saturday. Wonder if that will be in the Final Four and one on the Friday episode of the podcast. It will be Indiana at Wisconsin. So you get a chest there. But – Credit to Archie Miller. Credit to Indiana. Last season, bumpy up and down. You had the inconsistency, obviously, uh, with Romeo Lankford and the injury that he had. And now here you go. 8-0. That's, uh, that's, that's good stuff there. I'm not quite sure how good Indiana is just yet, but I really, really loved what I saw on Tuesday night. Undefeated on December 4th doesn't, independ- doesn't automatically mean anything to me. And strong computer numbers on December 4th doesn't automatically mean anything to me. But when you're undefeated on December 4th and you have strong computer numbers on December 4th, that's something I'll pay attention to, and that's what Indiana is right now. 8-0, big win over a Florida State team that's got big wins on its resume. I think FSU's got three top 35 Kimpom wins right now. Not many teams going to have that. Mm-hmm. So you beat that team by double digits, and then they're, they're 21st at Kimpom, Indiana is. So they're undefeated on December 4th with a signature win and strong computer numbers. That's the team that deserves to be ranked. And Devontae Green, you're exactly right about Trace Jackson Davis. He's been terrific, averaging 15.5 and 9.4 points and rebounds per game. Uh, Devontae Green is actually the leading scorer on the team. Got 30 against Florida State. He was 5 of 7 from 3. He's now averaging 15.8 points per game. Nice story. Three-star prospect in the class of 2016. Ranked 197th 
according to 24-7 Sports, recruited by Tom Crean, and he's just gotten a little bit better every season. And now, at least at this moment, he's the leading scorer for a top-20 team in the top 25-1. and one. That's good stuff. It's really good stuff, and um, Big Ten's looking good overall uh, right now. Aside from Michigan State, if, if Michigan State had actually been playing up to its expectation, uh, Big Ten would have a, a strong claim to be in the best conference in America because right now Ohio State undefeated. And again, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon in advance of OSU at UNC, which I'm super, uh, super geeked for that game. Uh, but OSU undefeated, Maryland undefeated, uh, Michigan just took its first loss, Indiana undefeated, Penn State still only has one loss. And even the teams that have been a little, you know, uh, Iowa has, has been weird, but I've actually liked some of what I've seen from them. Illinois has got a, a lot of good young talent there. Um, so I overall, it's you know the bottom is, is a little rough, but I I'd say on the whole the Big Ten has been better than I expected it to be. Again, through the first month of the season, let's see what other non-con play we're going to get here over the next three weeks. But Indiana, um, a bright spot early, and we'll see if they can maintain it. Very much looking like a tournament team with that roster. Uh, I I I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be surprised if they don't make the tournament this year with what they've got. Uh, before we get out of here, I wanted to touch on the situation at Georgetown. That program. Graham has been in the headlines this week and for not great reasons. So we're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So there was interesting news out of our nation's capital on Monday night. Georgetown announced that James Akinjo and Josh LeBlanc are no longer with the program, and it was later revealed that uh, Georgetown's Josh LeBlanc and Galen Alexander and Myron Gardner have all been accused of some super serious things. Norlander, you handled all the reporting on this Monday, so I- I'm going to let you explain what's happening at Georgetown. Uh, sure, yeah, this is uh, a troubling story, and obviously it's it's – you know, a relatively important story within college basketball. Um, first and foremost, James Akinjo is transferring out of Georgetown, and Georgetown poorly handled this situation because there have been uh, multiple restraining orders uh, filed against three Georgetown players. James Akinjo is not one of them. So when Georgetown uh, put word out that uh, Akinjo and, and Josh LeBlanc were leaving, um, it did not do Akinjo any favors within the context of the situation that we understood then and what was reported soon thereafter. So James Akinjo, uh, and you know, I've, I've spoken with a few sources, he was not 
happy at Georgetown. Why, I can't answer that yet. But I was also told that um, though he is now transferring out at this point, uh, there was an expectation that, that that there was going to be a severing between Akinjo and Georgetown by end of season. What accelerated it, I cannot tell you that right now. The other stuff that's that's troubling, though, and that that we need answers on, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of provide the information here, and then GP, I know you've got a th- couple things you want to say about it, and I'll let you kind of hit, hit, uh, hit all that stuff. So in, in September, you've got... Uh, Josh, Josh LeBlanc, Galen Alexander, who uh, and Myron Gardner, who who get into um, disputes and disputes with women, different women, uh, women who, uh, from what I've understood and been told by a couple of sources, aren't even necessarily in the same social circles. Um, this leads to uh, complaints being filed, uh, requests for restraining orders, and serious allegations against the men, uh, Josh LeBlanc. And again, these are sworn statements. They have to be proven, but they are sworn statements, and they were publicly uh, you know, discoverable um, through the court system there. Um, in one complaint, uh, one accuser expresses her fear for her own safety as well as the safety of her roommates and alleges LeBlanc of assault and battery plus personal theft of property. I'm going to read a quote from the sworn statement. Um, in a response to an alleged burglary that I believe Joshua LeBlanc committed against me on September 16, 2019, Joshua threatened bodily harm against myself and my roommate, the accuser's statement reads. Um, he continued to threaten me verbally and via text message in the following week. Joshua has also committed violence against women in the past. There are some other statements there, and there are other even complaints there. Um, uh, it's obviously troublesome. I have made repeated requests to Georgetown about the status um, and the timing of this, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm very well aware that some people might be listening to this podcast Wednesday night, maybe even Thursday morning. Georgetown is playing at Oklahoma State on Wednesday night, so we might get an up- update after the game or even in-game if Galen Alexander or Myron Gardner play. I have asked Georgetown for an update on their their status. Are they active? Are they suspended? Are they facing discipline? Uh, Georgetown, uh, I've made three requests, has 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 avoided answering that specifically um, and even tried to, to cite some privacy laws uh, and protecting them. Um, when it comes to the eligibility of a basketball player, whether he is suspended or not, um, the privacy laws are, are a separate issue altogether as far as I'm concerned. So I understand if Georgetown's going to play this game, I get all that, um, but we're going to, I mean, if they play, then we're going to know. And obviously those players have their side of the story and it's going to be told. And uh, undoubtedly that there are, there are investigations that are still ongoing and there's court, there are still court appearances still to happen with these players. Uh, but it is a troublesome story. And the loss of a Kinjo is one thing that damages Georgetown. There's no doubt about it. We were talking glowingly about this program just a few weeks ago on the podcast. Now he's gone for whatever reasons. And now you have three other players, one of whom is left is transferring out of the program in LeBlanc, but you still have Alexander and Gardner who albeit our role players have had some serious allegations uh, tossed against them, and uh, and we wait and see what else we are going to learn here. But I'm I'm intrigued to see what, if anything, Patrick Ewing says after Oklahoma State's game on Wednesday. I mean, one of the allegations is sexual assault. Yes. Oh, it's not. And yeah, it's, not, it's it, GP. This is this is extremely serious stuff. Continue. It, it, it's 2019, and Georgetown seems to be handling this like it's 1989. Like the the world has changed, and I don't know how many schools would have a basketball player on the court who has, via sworn statement, been accused of sexual assault. At this moment, while we're recording, maybe we'll get answers later. But at this moment, there are more questions than answers. And there are questions that the people at Georgetown, whether it's Patrick or people above Patrick, need to answer. Who knew what? When do they know it? 
there's never been any public punishment at all. Now, I know Josh LeBlanc missed the season opener, but they didn't call it a suspension, far as I know. And so why has Georgetown been allowing these players to play under these circumstances? Mm-hmm. How do you rationalize it? And the rationalization, just so we're clear, because I got some of this on Twitter, it isn't innocent till proven guilty. That's what you hear from some people. Oh, so they're just guilty. You just take basketball away. They're just guilty until proven innocent. Uh, you're, you're using a legal term if you make that argument. This is not the court system. Playing basketball is not a right. Mm-hmm. It is a privilege. And I don't know many schools that would trot out these players with these allegations having been levied against them. I know Georgetown released a statement saying there's a process that they go through, but that process has everything to do with whether these students should be allowed to continue to be students. It ain't got nothing to do with whether they should be able able to uh, be allowed to play in a basketball game. So um, this got a lot of attention Monday night, and until this is resolved and these questions are answered, I hope it continues to get a lot of attention because um, in the year 2019, it is not normal for a high-profile program to place somebody facing very now publicly known um, sexual assault allegations. Yeah, and um, just a reminder on the timeline, like uh, some of the alleged uh, theft and interaction and and, and the crime here came from September. And then in early November, uh, a week apart, were when these complaints were filed. And also in in the complaints and the request for a temporary restraining order, uh, one of the accusers even notes that um, she went to multiple police departments to also file separate reports on all of this as well. Um, so keep that in mind. Even uh, Laura Wagner, who used to work at Deadspin now, a tremendous investigative reporter, she tweeted out um, on Tuesday uh, a couple of copies of, of, of police reports that were filed that include uh, somewhat graphic nature uh, accusations against one of the players there. So uh, Georgetown still has plenty to answer to, um, and the players deserve their rights to due process and all that. But I'm with you, Parrish, on that. I'm Given what we know right now, uh, what's been uh, put out there, I'm just... I'm a bit thrown by the way that Georgetown has handled this. Um, I, I, I don't find that other schools would have, you know, most other schools would have opted to do it in this kind of way. Uh, we wait and see, but it's, it's the accusations, let's just leave it at this. I mean, they're extremely troubling. Two players are still on the team, and discipline as of, you know, mid-afternoon on Wednesday, December 4th, uh, has been levied against these players as far as we know. I will say, um, I guess it was yesterday, the guys uh, on that Casual Hoya website did an emergency podcast to discuss this, and I, I just wanted to check it out just because I, I assumed that they would have a, you know, they're closer to it. They they do they they talk this stuff every day. They'd have a better grasp for exactly what's going on than maybe uh, some of the rest of us would. And one of the points they made, which I thought was interesting, is that I believe they were talking about Josh LeBlanc. Obviously, didn't play in the season opener, but also. And, and I wouldn't know this, but this is exactly the type of thing they would know, which is exactly the reason I wanted to hear what they were saying. They said, Josh LeBlanc, if you if you go look at the media guide, like there's three players on the front and there's three players on the back. What He's noticeably absent from the cover, front or back cover of the media guide. And his minutes had been weird this season. He's playing fewer minutes per game than he played last season. And apparently that's been a topic of conversation among Georgetown fans. Like why is LeBlanc not playing more? So what all that suggests is that something has not been right there for a while. 
and they've known they were dealing with an issue for a while, and yet they continue to put him in uniform and not address this publicly in, in any way. And you can hide behind student privacy laws and all of that stuff if you want to. That seems to be on some level what they're trying to do. But again, that has nothing to do with whether or not you put somebody in a basketball uniform, put them on national television to represent your university. Um, perhaps, and I said this last night on, on CBS Sports Network, perhaps there are great explanations for why Georgetown has handled this the way that it's handled this. If so, I look forward to hearing them. But from where I'm sitting, I, I can't think of what they could be right now. I agree, and I think we can uh, we can wrap on that, and um, we'll have a Friday podcast with you. Uh, plenty to get to, plenty to talk about from potentially what we get Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday is very Thursday is brutally slow on the slate if you're unaware and listening to the podcast. So I would assume we're gonna if anything is uh, noteworthy from Wednesday, and then we'll obviously have our picks and look forward to uh, what's a solid all around weekend in college hoops. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. We're going to pick a review out. We'll discuss it on uh, Sunday. You'll get shouted out just like Devin Downey, Chester, South Carolina, Terry M.F. and Teagle, and Larnell. So please, five stars, nice comment. And uh, like Norlander said, we're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.